When Obama went into the office, there was $10 trillion of debt, a little less. When Trump got inaugurated, there was $20 trillion. Okay, so that means the balance sheet for the federal government expanded 100 fold. If you didn't make at least that type of expansion on your balance sheet in that same duration with free money, then shame on you. In a time plagued by groupthink, a tribe known as the Millionites have emerged from the depths of time to alter our trajectory for the betterment of humanity. These are their chronicles. Welcome to our community, where every single week we'll study the craft of some of the most successful entrepreneurial leaders in their given area of expertise. We'll take a trip down memory lane, long before the millions, to uncover their secrets to success and how they've achieved their goals. By doing this, we can fast track our way to success and live the life we've always dreamt of. So, whether you are looking to attain financial freedom, location independence, or reaching the millionth mark of your milestones and more, then you've come to the right place. Stick around to find out what works, what doesn't, and how you can reach your millions. If you would like instant access to our back catalog, visit us at beforethemillions.com. And now, your host, DeRay Olaleye. What's good, BTM community? I'm your humble host, as usual, DeRay Olaleye. And we're back for episode nine. Episode nine is with Jenna Lofton, and she is, she's amazing, guys. I can't wait to get into it. She she went from being homeless to having a corporate job that she loves, and she still managed to pick up that little purple book that changed her life after being successful. So she got 20 million times more successful. So we're going to get into her story here in a little bit, but first, a couple housekeeping items. First and foremost, my ebook, Get Paid to Live for Free. Now, this ebook has touched a lot of people's lives and I've gotten great feedback from it. And I'm happy that I, I've been able to give it to you for free. But I'm going to take out one small step in the clock just to see if I can get it to more people. Now, before you had to follow a couple steps to get the ebook, now in efforts to spread this ebook as vast and as far as I can, I want to give it away to you as easily as possible. So this is what you do to get the free ebook. You literally just pull out your phone, go to your inbox and email info at before the millions.com. That's info I N F O at before the millions.com. Just email that email address live free L I V E F R E E live free. And you will immediately, I mean, immediately get the book directly to your inbox. How cool is that? So again, this is an effort to spread this book to as many people as possible, because I think that it can really be a great starter book to get you into the real estate game. If you're looking to build your wealth and you want to do it through real estate and you have no money and nowhere to start, no idea how to start, this is a great starter book. So again, email info at beforethemillions.com to get your free book. I mean, who wouldn't want to get paid to live for free? Isn't that amazing? <laughs> And not only do you get paid to live for free, but you also eliminate taxes. Ill. <laughs> Next up, I actually hired my admin. Now, previously, 
I work with a lot of contractors and, you know, I have certain people reporting to me and they, you know, people who design some of the things that I put out, some of my products, update the websites, do some of my marketing and promotions and things of that nature. And I kind of coordinate all of that. And that's pretty hard running three businesses and having a full-time job. So what I've done is I've hired an admin and her name is Liz. She's amazing, y'all. And she will take over most of those duties for me. So if you email us nine times out of 10, if you're not emailing us to ask a question directly to me, she's going to be the one taking care of you. And I'm leaving you in good hands. So again, I've hired my admin assistant and her name is Liz and email us, call us, text us, whatever you want. And we'll get, we'll get you to anything that you need because our job is to make you successful. That is my purpose of this podcast. That is my purpose of preaching every single week to you guys. Like, I want to make sure that you're in the best possible position and you have all the tools necessary to be successful. Which reminds me, we are creating a resources page. Now, by the time this episode actually launches, I think that the page will be up. So it'll be at beforethemillions.com slash resources. Again, that's beforethemillions.com slash resources. What will be featured on this page will be a plethora of different things that will help you and gear you towards your success. So I have a section for travel. So those of you who are looking to travel, maybe for cheap or even for free, I'll have a section with different resources that will help you do that. If you're looking to get more educated on real estate, I'll have a section on real estate to kind of show you the some of the books that I read to kind of get started. And some of the books I recommend and some of the books that the guests recommend. And, you know, these guests are super highly successful entrepreneurs and millionaires. So we definitely want to read the books that they're reading. I'll have another section just for online businesses, for marketing. I'll have tons of sections and tons of resources to fulfill your heart's desire. And we'll be updating this resources page weekly. So please, please, please take advantage of our resources page because we are here to help facilitate your growth. Again, that's beforethemillions.com slash resources. This week, and I've been trying to read about a book a week, and I've been doing a pretty good job, but as of late, I've been reading two books a week. So how about that? How about that? I think this week I read The One Thing by Gary Keller, and it was a great motivational book. It's one of those books to where if you have a lot on your plate and you're going in different directions and you're kind of you're kind of stagnant because you have so many things going on. It kind of helps you just focus on that one thing. And, you know, nine times out of 10, there's always one thing in every business or one thing in, in, in the act that you're doing that will make a major impact that will make everything else either irrelevant or not as important. So this book really helps with that. So I definitely recommend it. Other book I read was I Can't Make This Up by Kevin Hart. It's more of a autobiography of Kevin Hart and his story and how he came about to be as successful as he is. So definitely a great motivational book. I recommend it. Okay, guys, I've taken up enough of your time. Let's get into the show. We recommend only the best books on this show. With that being said, we can understand the urge to read the last book you've heard an entrepreneur get excited about. Well, guess what? You can go read it right now. We've partnered with Audible, an Amazon company that produces high-quality audiobooks. Together, we are offering, and for free, a 30-day trial and one free book as soon as you sign up. So, if you've been eyeing a certain book but haven't quite been able to pull the trigger yet, we'd love to cover the cost for you. Just visit audibletrial.com slash before the millions to start reading or listening to your next free book. The link is also in the show notes of this episode at beforethemillions.com. Hey, everybody. Today, I'd like to welcome Jenna Lofton to the show. 
Hey, Jenna, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Glad to be here. I'm great, and I'm ecstatic that you're here. Can't wait to get into your story. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Jenna was abandoned by her parents, homeless, and eventually started growing up in a foster care, taught that her financial literacy is one of the major problems in today's world. Challenging the status quo of not going to school, getting a job, investing in a 401k of well-diversified stocks, bonds, and mutual funds will not work today. This fallacy has resulted in baby boomers taking out $10 billion in reverse mortgages in 2016 alone. Today's economy requires everyone to have tax-efficient slash inflation hedges, streams of income-producing assets sufficient to cover their expenses as soon as possible. Jenna and her company, Passive Income Advisors, help facilitate this exact mission. Today, Jenna spends time overseeing her assets, which consist of over four thousand residential units and maybe it's more than that now jenna i don't know but oil and gas investments assisted living facilities a resort in belize which i hope we'll get into an online business natural resource companies and at&t jenna is single never married and resides in los angeles california i think that's as condensed as i can make such prolific achievements jenna wouldn't you say yeah, I would say, I mean, just to, you know, kind of summarize it all. I'm an investor and I love investing in buying and building assets that generate income. That's it. That's all I do. Okay. Every day. <laughs> okay. I love it. I love it, Jenna. Let's go back and let's figure out, let's figure out how this all started. You were abandoned by your parents, homeless, and eventually grew up in foster care. So let's start from there and maybe work our way up. Yep. Nope. That's, that's a good place to start. So yeah, my parents were both educators. They moved to Los Angeles from Baltimore, Maryland, as teachers were unable to get gainful employment for whatever reasons. And we ended up living on the streets of Los Angeles, Inglewood specifically, since I was about 18 months old. Subsequently, I was, you know, taken by the Department of Children's Social Services, along with my other siblings at the time. And then we were raised in various foster homes throughout Los Angeles County. And at that time, I really, you know, I didn't, I was just, you know, a foster kid, right? I was just a, a kind of a ward of the state is what you call it. I, I, you know, I went through elementary school and through junior high school and dropped out of high school in ninth grade, was a really bad kid. And it was, you know, I was a runaway living on the streets. My three oldest siblings at the time were emancipated, meaning that they were over the age of 18. They got good jobs, ended up saving their money, bought a house. And then I moved in with them and my parents were there as well when I was around 16 years old and then finished high school and went to college. And that's kind of, you know, my youth and adolescent years. Okay. Okay. And you said that your older siblings, they, they got educated and then they went to go pursue their, their life in... Yes. So they, they were emancipated, meaning when you are a ward of the court, the the government pays to actually have someone provide for your well-being until you're 18 years of age. Essentially, you are the asset of someone else, meaning an asset feeds you and a liability eats you. So not all of foster homes are in it for the money, but many of them are. So they end up taking care of kids in order to, you know, provide a source of income for themselves. Now, when that 
child becomes 18 years of age, they are no longer the responsibility of the state. And therefore they are, you know, pretty much put out on the streets. So when my, my older siblings became 18, they got good jobs in Los Angeles and then ended up, you know, saving their money and then bought a house. They never went to college though, or didn't finish college, I should say. Okay. And what type of an impact do you think this had on your life and, and maybe your next steps as far as going to college and, and getting educated and getting a job? Yeah, no. So I think it had a lot to do with my success today because I never really wanted to depend on anyone for my financial well-being. It was just too risky. So because of how I grew up, and I'm very fortunate, I mean, your listeners might be thinking, oh my God, that was a horrible life. And it was, I'm, I'm not trying to deny that it, it was anything other than that, but I'm grateful for that kind of life because I've become extremely independent as a result of that. I mean, and Dore, you're from, well, it sounds like some of your family is from outside of the United States and many Americans unfortunately, you know, have this kind of entitlement mentality. So the way that I grew up, I never had that type of entitlement mentality. I always had to be out hustling for something, right? So I'm grateful for that because I'm an American, but I, I'm almost like an immigrant because I make it happen. It doesn't really matter to me because there's so many opportunities here in the United States or in the world, period. So that childhood and that upbringing really made me realize that I could go out and and achieve anything in life. Okay. So maybe let's fast forward a little bit to 18, 19, 20-year-old Jenna, and you've had this upbringing. And yes, it was the heart of, you know, it was the hardest of times. And it could have also been the best of times because some of those times we, we reminisce on them and they, they tend to be good memories because we, we don't realize how bad they were. But we're fast forwarding to maybe, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old Jenna. What are you doing at this time? And what's what's sort of your mindset as far as your outlook on life and what you plan on doing? Yeah. So, you know, I, I went to school, I went to college and I, that's really what I did. I, I didn't knew, I only was taught what the society said. You go to school, you get a degree, then you enter the workforce and you, you know, spend, you know, 40 years or 50 years in a job. Right. And so I was on my path to go and do exactly that. So I got a degree went to college and, you know, was working part-time as I was going through college and did it the way that society says you should. And it was very, it was great. I always had amazing roles. You know, I was working for one of the big, it was the big six at the time. There were six major accounting CPA consulting companies. And the one that I was with was called Ernst & Young at the time. And I had an amazing career. What happened was back then I read a little purple book and many of us probably started with that little purple book when it came out. It's actually 20 years ago in 1997, Robert Kiyosaki wrote the book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I don't think I read it until probably the early 2000s, at which time I was working at Ernst & Young and I was a senior manager there and you know, living amazing house on the hill. And I probably only had like one rental property because I was in management consulting with the firm, you know, traveling all over the world and making all these, you know, companies, you know, strategically sound and growing them, et cetera, et cetera. And I said to myself, after I read that 
little purple book that your house isn't an asset and the rich don't work for money. And I started kind of my journey of financial literacy just from that point on. And so I read that. I said, that's my goal. I want to become financially, you know, independent. Whether or not I was going to quit working or not was irrelevant because I had I, I didn't care about I liked what I did. Right. It didn't matter to me that I was working, but I never wanted to de- because I was homeless while I was growing up. I never wanted that to happen again. So the only way that I could prevent that from happening was to, you know, have enough passive income to exceed my expenses. So that's what got me on my journey in my 20s. And I actually did that in my 20s and and grew and made some mistakes along the way, as we all do. And mistakes are good. You know, failing is is part of the process. And I fail pretty much every day. But that's that's pretty much in my 20s. And then continued consulting and, you know, left the firm Ernst & Young when the consulting business was sold to Capgemini and exited that at that time. You know, we were beginning the kind of the the bubble, so to speak, with the real estate market in the early, you know, middle part of the 2000s and the bubble was going and then it burst in 2007 or eight, at which time I really began to kind of, you know, go back and start building another asset. So I'm an economist and one of those assets was a television company you probably have heard of called DirecTV and built that company at the same time I was beginning to build my real estate portfolio and started acquiring, you know, with that, you know, duplex. And then, you know, you grow from the duplex or maybe you start from a condo or four units or whatever it is. But I started small and then began building it from there. At the same time, I was building another asset called DirecTV. And within a few short years, I had taken it from two units to probably you know, a little over 4,000 units today. And and now I'm a shareholder of AT&T because we sold direct TV to AT&T in 2015. Okay, Jen, I love that. That's great. I want to dive into a lot of the things that you said, but let's start with, let's start with your position as a senior manager at Ernst & Young. And let's kind of talk about what your investment criteria was before you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because you did say that you had a rental property. So Obviously, you you were on to something, but you didn't quite hit it yet. So let's talk about your investment criteria, what your investments were, and what made you invest in real estate before you kind of caught that bug. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point because I was kind of a an axe. It was intentional to buy something that was very intentional. I always wanted to buy a piece of property. Because again, if I was going to prevent myself from being homeless, what better way to do that than to own it, right? So for me, it was a mental thing. It really, I didn't have like this magic criteria. It needs to have an ROI and an internal rate of return of X. And it wasn't very sophisticated, right? I just wanted to own it. And that's literally, I was, you know, I was young in my 20s, early 20s at the time. And at this, back then, there really wasn't, the internet was there, but there was no Google, right? There was no, you know, I mean, we may have been had, we may have had Netscape, which was, 
<laughs> the search engine of those heydays. And I think it just kind of came out, right? This was like MS-DOS world, right? Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep, I remember. <laughs> like, like today, it's so easy. Like the barrier for knowledge is nil. Back then, you know, we had encyclopedias, right? So that was our knowledge. And by the time you, you paid the last payment on the set of encyclopedias, it was obsolete. So I just want to let kind of put it in the context of where society was at the time in which I kind of came out of college, right? Which actually wasn't that long ago. But anyway, so I bought a property in which I lived in. And because I joined the firm, and at that time, like the first and anyone who has been in management consulting or working for the big four today knows you kind of get a laptop and American Express and, and an airline ticket, right? And you're gone. Yeah. And that's <laughs> how it was. So after I did that, you know, airline ticket every week, you know, I was gone somewhere every week. I said, why do I have a house here that is in Los Angeles? It was in the, you know, kind of outskirts of LA and it's called the Valley at the time. I might as well rent it out. So I was an accidental landlord and I would just live in my corporate apartments wherever I was, right? You know, I was in San Francisco, Chicago, Arizona, Brazil, Sweden, you know, you name it all over the world doing all this amazing things that I loved. I wanted to do. I saw the world and helped a lot of, you know, major Fortune 100 companies at the same time. But that's how I evolved into real estate. I didn't have a really sophisticated criteria I didn't have a mentor. Rich Dad Poor Dad was not out at this time. This was like early 90s, right? So none of this was, you know, and there was no Google to learn anything. And, you know, and I was a foster kid. So my foster parents, the ones that, you know, I remember having any guidance was just, you know, you go to a trade school and learn how to put a resistor on a circuit breaker. And then, it, you know, that's your career aspiration. So, I didn't have a lot of guidance, right? I didn't have any guidance. I just had to like figure it out on my own through trial and error, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're you're a great example of of you're not the product of you don't have to be the product of your environment. You can you can choose a different path. So that that's amazing. So you you picked up the book, you picked up Rich Dad Poor Dad and prior to this I believe that your investments were in that single family property and most, and then, most likely stocks and bonds, correct? Yeah, stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Yeah, that 401k, you know, the company's telling you to invest in a 401k and stocks and bonds and, you know, the traditional things that society tells you to do, right? Like the save your money, invest for the long term in a well-diversified portfolio of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Well, Jenna, right? what's, what's, wrong with, what's wrong with that plan? The whole thing is, it's nuts. It's crazy. Well, our listeners are dying to know why, you know, and I believe, I believe, I mean, I'm throwing out stats, but I believe 90 to 95% of us default to investing in stocks and bonds or just whatever the company offers. So what's wrong with that? What's, oh my why shouldn't God. we do that? Let, let's break it down for everybody, Jenna. Okay. So let's first start by, you know, the 401k is sold on this value proposition. You invest in a 401k today to reduce your taxes reduce your taxes today, you're deferring them to pay them in the future when you make less money. Okay. That's the whole value proposition that your human resource representative will sell you on. Well, number one is why would I want to 
reduce my taxes today and only defer them to pay them in the future. And I don't want to make less money in the future because that's just going to be bad. My healthcare costs are going to rise. Inflation will be higher. I don't want to make less money in the future. So I don't want anything that is going to be predicated upon that assumption. It's a bad assumption. I don't want that assumption on me. Your listeners shouldn't want that on them as well. So that's the first thing. That whole 401k, in my opinion, is just to keep Wall Street gambling with your money. And I don't believe in it. Even if you you know, say the twelve or $20,000 a year that they allow you to, you know, put into a 401k per year, it doesn't do anything if you're a high income earner, which I was, right? I was a high income earner making, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. And my tax rate, right, at a federal level was 39.6%, right? Yeah. Exactly. That's at a federal level. <laughs> so once you understand taxes, and how to reduce your taxes and what type of investments that you can actually make to get those tax rates down, right? Because a 401k doesn't really do much. What does a lot is investing in assets that give you tax benefits, such as real estate, such as oil and gas, such as, you know, businesses. So that's what I specialized in is, in, you know, investing my time, money and all my energy instead of trying to get the next promotion. I didn't care about getting, you know, a promotion to be called some other, you know, title at any company that was never important to me. And then working, you know, another, you know, 50 percent of my time devoted on that wall, I get another 5 percent raise in which I give 50 percent of that to the government. It just didn't add up to me. I mean, you're paying 50 percent of your money goes to taxes. So let's at a federal level, 39.6 state of California, you're at 11 or 12. Right. So now you're way over 50, 52 percent. Now you put Social Security on top of that. Just your share is 6.2 percent. So you're already at around 60%. Then you layer on Obamacare on top of that. You know, any business that can pay 60% of every dollar in expenses will soon be out of business, yeah. period. Yeah. And as a human being, I just, I'm not going to live like that. Yeah. And until you understand your tax rate and the tax code or, you know, or have a team, I, I'm not a, a CPA, until I have a, you know, a team and hired a team. And the irony, DeRay, is that, You know, I worked for the, you know, big six at the time, which are accounting firms, right? And I did not know this until, you know, probably the last five to 10 years. I didn't learn it from Ernst & Young. I learned this through reading, you know, the cash flow quadrant, hiring Tom Wilwright from Tax-Free Wealth, hiring my CPAs, getting my team. And so it was only until then that I, really understood that income is taxed at different rates. There's different types of income and that, you know, for employees, self-employed business owner and investor. So the the left side versus the right side of the quadrant. And for the listeners who aren't familiar with what Jenna's talking about, Jenna's talking about Robert Kiyosaki's second installment, the cash flow quadrant book, which distinguishes what it means to be an employee and a self-employed and self-employed business owner on the left side or being a, a big business owner and an investor on the right side. And it's fascinating just to 
to know that you right out of the gate, you know, I ask people often, what what's your biggest expense? If you could eliminate your biggest expense, would you be able to start your snowball and create your financial freedom or create your family legacy? And they're like, yeah, yeah. You know, my biggest expense is my is my rent or my mortgage. And, you know, if I was able to eliminate that, then yes, I'd be able to, you know, start creating wealth for my future. And I'm like, well, that's your biggest expense in your eyes. But the first piece that you you forget to realize are taxes. And that's because taxes are taken out before you even get your check. So it's almost like an afterthought, whereas you know that rent is due on the first of every month. So when you have 60% of your check, not even coming into you. So you're working, you're working for a hundred percent, you're working 100% of your hours. Like if you're, if you're due to work 40 hours, you're working 40 hours and you're expecting, you know, to get paid for 40 hours, but you're only getting paid for what, when you do the math, you're only getting paid for, for less than, less than half of that. That's crazy. And we, we don't know that I, I've been in this position just a year ago, two years ago. I had no idea how these things work. And again, you know, a lot of people attribute it to that little purple book, but it, it's so vital to get to get educated on these things. So when you finally got educated and your your eyes were open and you realized, hey, that's not the way to go. I need to start either combining, you know, being self-employed or, or owning a big business or, or, or investing with being an employee or I need to just not be an employee whatsoever. What was your next plan? What were your next steps to, to start achieving your new goals and what were your new goals? Yeah. So my goal was really just to get out of the rat race. It was very, very specific. And at that time, I think it was, I needed maybe five or $10,000 a month in passive income. And it's, you know, maybe six or seven years ago. I don't really remember the number because it's irrelevant, but that was the goal. And I have a, a book that's called Escape the Madness, the 10 steps to get out of the rat race. So I literally focused on achieving that goal. And I think it was maybe $5,000 because I was living in my duplex at the time and I didn't need a lot of money because, you know, my tenant that was living on the other side paid, you know, half of the the mortgage. So it was probably like $5,000 a month. So that was my only goal. And what I realized, because I'm an economist on, and, you know, just by training, I have an MBA in international economics. So I, I study economics, I study bonds, I study yields. And when the financial collapse happened, and here's the thing, Duray, that your listeners need to understand is that in 2008, when the financial collapse happened, the interest rates, the Federal Reserve, Ben Bernanke, actually reduced interest rates down to zero at which time money became free, right? The other part of that equation is that Paulson, Hank Paulson went to the treasury and went to Congress and asked for, you know, a bailout of the banks. I think it was $700 billion bailout. And I said at that time, he has no other choice but to put this responsibility on the taxpayers back. Nobody's going to pay that other than the taxpayers because it becomes just new debt. So I knew that I had to get out of the rat race and I had to I had to do it with debt because with money being free, if I could borrow at zero, right, and make five, it's called arbitrage. So I'm making, you know, 5% on that scenario. So at that time, I knew I needed to do two things. I needed to use debt and I needed to reduce my taxes. And so that's been my whole mantra. And that really drove me to only a certain type of investment philosophy. And that's really important that your listeners understand what are their objectives 
and what's their investment philosophy based on whatever their goal is. So my goal was to get out of the rat race, achieve $5,000 a month, and I was going to do that by using debt and reducing taxes. So you do that you know, for a few times, and you will be surprised the snowball effect about how fast it can happen. It's very, very quick because you're going to take the savings, the tax savings and the debt, and you're going to continue to buy new assets that achieves that $5,000 a month. Well, in my case, it was $5,000 a month. So it only took me a few times to actually achieve that goal. And I want to want to kind of touch on the Federal Reserve increasing interest rates. I think just last last Wednesday, the basis points went up about 0.25. And they've been doing this every quarter. And I say that to say that this is very similar to, you know, the early 2000s in which they increase they increase these basis points just just to hedge against the correction or the recession when it does happen so that they can drop interest rates right back down. So they've been creeping up and I think that they'll increase it about 25 basis points every quarter from here on out, at least until something, something drastic happens. Let me kind of, let me give you a little bit, my opinion on that. I agree with you 100%, but let me also say that they don't actually have to increase it by a quarter point. All they have to do is what they're calling, they have reducing their balance sheet. That is going to, they're saying that they're going to be reducing their balance sheet beginning in Q3 or Q4 of this year. So the Federal Reserve, they have their balance sheet kind of exploded because they were buying a bunch of mortgage-backed securities. By them reducing their balance sheet, they're going to be selling off those mortgage-backed securities, at which time that, in essence, is almost equivalent to an increase of interest rate, a base, you know, quarter point, depending on how much is sold. So just make sure that you kind of put those, your listeners put those two together. Yes. So you had this passive income goal and you decided to take action. Now, immediately after you decided to take some action and you had this goal, you already had one property. So did you get your second property or did you start your first business after this? No. I was always doing real estate. I was just doing property after property after property. So my investment philosophy, for those that care to know, I only do value-added real estate. And my specific meaning and definition of that is I buy a property, I increase the value of the property by increasing the net operating income. That's all it means and nothing else. I go back to the bank and I say now that the value has actually increased because the net operating income has increased. So therefore, I do what's called a cash out refinance. So essentially, I am using the same dollar and I'm getting it back again. Right. And I call it printing money legally. So if the Federal Reserve is printing money. When Obama went into the office, there was 10 trillion dollars of debt, a little less when Trump got inaugurated, there was 20 trillion. Okay. So that means the balance sheet for the federal government expanded 100 fold. If you didn't make at least that type of expansion on your balance sheet in that same duration with free money, then shame on you. Right. I mean, that's how serious it is. And I want your list. And I'm, you know, I'm very, very serious about that because if you didn't do it with free money, you'll never be able to do it when it ain't free. And it's about to not be free. 
And it's <laughs> no, I'm I'm really serious. And so here, one last point on this. I speak all over, you know, all over the world on this yeah. topic because it's very serious. Trump has got to go from twenty trillion to forty trillion in half the time, and that means you know, he's got to print money faster. So if people don't understand this, they better start learning it quickly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Jenna, I love that. I love that you touched on that. That's that's great insight for our listeners, especially our listeners who who need to learn from their mistakes, who maybe who maybe, you know, had a chance to capitalize and didn't capitalize. And now it's time to get educated. It's never it's never too late. So I love that. So Jenna, let's let's transition over to your before the millions goal, which is a, a massive goal, if you don't mind me saying, but your before the millions goal is massive. And, you know, just to say what it is, your before the millions goal is to help 1 million people exit the rat race. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. How are we going to do that? And, and kind of give us some context around that goal and when you started and, and what you're doing to achieve that goal. Yeah. So I created this financial freedom formula, which is the successor to my book, right? And it's a digital business, digital online to for people, whomever, to go on, on my website, Passive Income Advisors, download the free cheat sheet, which is the formula of using debt, reducing taxes, and then buying assets with that, that those dollars in order to achieve your wealth number. So for me to achieve 1 million, you know, to help 1 million people to get out of the rat race by 2020, it can only be done digitally, right? You know, me being on, you know, podcasts like this, me speaking, I have speaking engagements, you know, all year long, basically. So all of the above are what I'm actually doing in order to achieve that. Okay. And you mentioned your book earlier, and I just want to kind of bring it up again and talk a little bit about it. And who is it for and how can it help? Yeah. So my book is called Escape the Madness and the 10 Steps to Get Out of the Rat Race. So if anyone is interested to know what are those 10 steps in order to get out of the rat race, starting from nothing, that's written in very layman's terms, that's extremely easy to implement, then that book is for you. And it's just those 10 steps that I took. And it's not about real estate, right? Because here's the thing is I don't really care what type of asset you actually, you know, want to use to get out of the rat race. Remember, I do real estate, I'm intellectual property, I have dividends because of AT&T, I'm a shareholder of AT&T, I have oil and gas. It doesn't really matter to me of how what constitutes the makeup of that 5,000 or 10,000 or whatever the number is. So it's a lot more holistic than you know, I speak a lot of different, you know, industries and languages, thankfully, because of my background at Ernst & Young. So I'm able to look at many different asset classes that help me to generate that goal, that 5,000, the passive income goal. What percentage would you say of your investments are actually in the stock market? I would say probably 20 or 30 percent. But it's not the stock market as you probably think like that. I'm a shareholder of AT&T, remember? So that will, and I will probably always be a shareholder of AT&T. And I'm also an investor in mining companies. So I like to buy assets when they're on sale 
So I'm not buying a lot of real estate today unless it's assisted living facilities or something that has a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of value added real estate for me to do. So the other asset class that I turn to is mining. So I'm investing in that. So I would say about 30% is in, but it's not that 401k stuff. Yeah, definitely. So you touched on your real estate and I just want to, on your, I guess, your hold in the real estate market, because I guess where the market is right now, let's speak to to an investor or a newbie investor who's looking to get into the real estate game. And, you know, we, we've been taught, hey, there's no better time than now to invest because if you play the waiting game, you may be waiting a long time. You may be waiting forever. And if you can buy in this market, then you can buy, you know, when the market does turn, you can buy in a bad market. So what advice do you have for a brand new real estate investor who is entering the market at such a peak? What can they do to better, I guess, hedge against, you know, buying, getting into bad properties or getting into a bad deal? Yeah. So educate yourself, understand the market that you're investing in, because all markets are different. Just because, you know, I may not be able to find what I want in my market doesn't necessarily that it doesn't exist in other markets, number one. So educate yourself, understand your market, do the numbers, and the numbers will tell you what to do, right? They always do. Numbers don't lie. I mean, they that's the one uniform universal language across the globe. So really understand the math and there's deals everywhere, right? And once you understand what those numbers are and if if it fits your criteria, then, you know, pull the trigger and and get it done. So there's always deals. There's just not a lot for me per se. Yep. That definitely makes sense. So if you are a new investor, I think it comes down to a numbers game. Know what your criteria is. And if, these properties or whatever you it is that you're investing in, if it doesn't fit inside your criteria, keep going because at the end of the day, it is a numbers game. And once you figure out kind of that, that sweet spot, let's say, you know, for every 200 properties you analyze, you're going to get about 10 to 20 properties that may fall into, may fall into your model. And then from there, you'll make, you know, as many offers as you can. And, and you'll kind of be able to track that again. You'll be able to track that over time and know, you know, what it takes to get your property. But, you know, I think a lot of us as newbies, we get anxious because we see that the market is hot and we're making a lot of offers and we're not, we're not able to get anything under contract. So we start, we start conforming to, you know, oh, maybe, maybe I can get this and maybe it'll work. And, you know, let me try it out, even though it doesn't exactly fit my model. I think that we should just play the numbers game and, and keep grinding it out. So Jenna, we've kind of started from your younger upbringings and we've worked our way up almost to present time. Now, I think I've seen you in a couple pictures with Robert, Robert Kiyosaki. So I want to speak to maybe the impact that he's he's maybe had on your life and maybe share that with the listeners. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of get choked up when I think about him because if it weren't for that little purple book, I mean, he was kind of like my surrogate father, you know, (laughs) right. And he doesn't know that I've never said that to him. And, you know, if he ever listens to this, he knows it now, but (laughs) you know, he was my, my mentor before I knew him right now, I have been able to meet him and 
kind of like gave him my book and I'm just ecstatic. He's just changed my life. And in so many, so many ways, I would be just like all of the other people, 97% of the population that are going to work every single day and they wake up and they invest and, and they're saving money at 0% and thinking it's going to get them to retirement, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, so he means that is other than the Bible, that is the m- most important book in my vocabulary is rich depth. Oh, wow. period. Oh, yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So before we move on to our final segment, I want to touch on stocks one more time because you just said saving at 0%. And I don't think that most people know that they're doing that. So what do you mean by saving at 0%? How does that work? Yeah. I mean, because when you, you listen to these People that are like telling you the financial advisors or, you know, people that are on television, Susie Orman in particular, save your money. Right. And when you put your money in a passbook savings account or checking account or whatever, and they are paying you an interest at the end of the month, it's basically zero. So they're paying you nothing on that money. It makes absolutely no sense to save at 0% when inflation, if you even believe what the federal government tells you with the consumer price index, if they say it's 3%, I would you know, argue differently that it's much higher, but let's just say it's three, you're already behind. Yep. So yep. that's what I mean. If yep. you're saving your money at zero, you are behind if inflation's at 3% just by default. Exactly. And I love that. And I see I see many of us fall into the trap of, oh, this this savings account is yielding one percent and most savings accounts don't even come close to that. I'm like, well, I think savers are losers in, in that sense, because if you're if you're saving at one percent and inflation is, is at three percent, then how in the world is that making sense to you? What makes you think that is OK to do? And again, it goes back to education. And I think that with education starts, you know, when you start some of those books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Four Hour Work Week and, you know, Cash Flow Quadrant, you know, things like that. When you start getting educated and and I'm going to speak to the power of mentorship as well, because I think that mentors are, are really important when it comes to building your success and what you want. And, you know, always go in and try to find somebody who's gotten where you're trying to go. You know, you don't, and I've said this on previous episodes, but you don't take advice from a financial advisor who's not where you're financially trying to be. It just, it just doesn't make any sense. And, and I see a lot of us doing that. And, you know, these firms are incentivized to make sure that we don't invest in real estate, which is, which is crazy, you know? So just a word for the wise. The best real estate investing advice ever show is literally the only daily podcast that I subscribe to. And now I'm prescribing for you the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. That's unprecedented. Visit joefearless.com slash show for the back catalog. Enjoy. You are listening to the Before the Millions. Before the Millions. Before the Millions. Before the Millions. Before the Millions podcast. So Jenna, what is your favorite Before the Millions book? Oh gosh, I would say the cash flow quadrant. Yep. I love that book. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? Well, I didn't buy any liabilities. I only bought assets. So I Jenna, what's a liability? What's that? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, my definition and the definition of an asset 
versus a liability is an asset feeds you and a liability eats you. So if it didn't bring money to me every single month or quarter, I didn't do it. So if it was a car, I didn't buy it. If it was a house that wasn't bringing money in, you know, monthly or quarterly or whatever it is, I didn't buy it. You know, all of that consumer stuff, I didn't buy it. And I still don't. I mean, I, my assets buy it. I was because just going to say that. I was, like, I was like, you probably <laughs> don't buy it, but there are many ways in which you can acquire it. So, so what, what do you mean by your assets do? And, and how, do you, yeah. how does that work on, on paper? Yep. No, that's, that's a really good question. So whenever I want something, let's just say I want a new yacht, right? I won't go out and get that yacht. I will go out and buy an asset and let the income from the asset buy the yacht. That's what I mean. I won't go out and buy the liability. So I am very anal with that. Even till this day, I, you know, I, I don't do that. And I'm the same way. And I'm just now starting out. So I can't wait to, to get to that. But that's beautiful. So, OK, next question. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? I would say Robert Kiyosaki for all of the reasons I stated earlier. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention on getting to the millions? Because we keep repeating the same stuff society has said without actually thinking about what it means. Save your money, go to school, get out of debt, invest for the long term in a well-diversified portfolio of stock, bonds, and mutual funds. You guys, people say it without even, it's like a song, right? It's almost like a rap song. Yeah, exactly. And and, and we, we don't know any better. Our parents don't know any better. Our grand, I mean, we have to, I think we have to break the cycle. And, you know, many of us are, but there's so many of us that still, you know, are stuck in the cycle. So, and not that there, there's anything wrong with school. I went to school, you went to school, but maybe speak, you know, really quick. And, and I know we're done with the, with the last four questions, but maybe speak really quick to your take on school and when and when you should and shouldn't go to school. You should only go to school if it's absolutely free, right? If you can't get a degree where out zero dollar out of your pocket, you shouldn't go. Okay. Let's just say that it is zero dollars. I think the only reason you would ever need a degree is if you're in some specialized field such as cardiovascular surgery, right? Such as brain surgery, right? You don't need a degree unless you're going to do something that's going to you know, be very, very important that's going to save people's lives. I just for one, we have in the United States of America has one point four trillion dollars of student loan debt. Do you know that that is their largest asset on their balance sheet, largest line item on their balance sheet, worth more than the national monuments, all of our military <laughs> I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? 40% of that is in default. Now, student loan debt, for those that are listeners that have student loan debt, you know you can't file for bankruptcy. So all that's going to mean is it will become the responsibility of the United States taxpayers, period. So it's just stupid. I mean, and if that doesn't tell you how ludicrous it is and how important financial literacy is, and why I want to save a million people, help them get out of the rat race and truly enable people to get this because that's really ridiculous. That is on our balance sheet for the United States government. I love it. I love all it, of us are shareholders. Right? <laughs> all of us are shareholders. That, we, are invest- we are shareholders. 
of that balance sheet. That is our balance sheet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we are Americans. And that's the financial literacy that I want everyone to be able to get and to grasp. And it goes hand in hand with kind of this whole debt discussion, because many people will say, get out of debt, but they will go get in debt to buy a liability. People could have gone out and they still can today. I love that, Jenna. I love that. (laughs) No, it's it's like, it's crazy. And I'm going to leave you a few other little factoids to really keep in mind. Yes. (laughs) $10 trillion from Obama getting into $20 trillion a day. But you realize that the entire corporate America, or the entire world has done this thing with debt, yet individuals, people have not. And what I mean by that is AT&T bought DirecTV for $48.5 billion, right, with a B. They took over about $12 billion of our debt. The money that they used was primarily debt. They didn't use cash and they're going to do it again with Time Warner. So all of this has been done with debt. And for people not to understand how debt works, then shame on you. And you could have gone out and got a credit card at 0% for 18 months, gone downtown Los Angeles and bought a thousand lollipops for 10 cents and sold them on your most intersect, you know, populated intersection for 25 cents. And made the spread and paid off the credit card in 18 months. Love it. Right? Yeah. I don't really care (laughs) what it is, but it's that simple. And when they reduced interest rate 10 years ago like that, that's what they wanted you to do. Yet people are sleeping. Like, are you kidding me? But the whole world has, if if you're going to fall asleep and not pay attention to this, you're going to be eaten alive with inflation. And the, the urgency is so so big right now because we're going to potentially have another collapse in about 12 to 18 months. And if you're not on a full tank of gas by the time it happens, then shame on you. You will be on empty without any social programs because Trump is going to pull up because he's going to do it. So it'll be cannibalistic time, right? So it's 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 just, it's beyond serious right now. And people that. keep talk, you know, they, they just d- doing the same thing over and over again, year after year. And you hear a lot of frustration, probably in my voice because, you know, passion. it's passion. <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It really is passion. And it's, it's passion. And I've been here before, you know, with the last collapse, right. And people didn't see it coming. And I'm like, how can you not see it coming? What's well, here again? And people are still sleeping, but it's going to be worse this time because the situation is different. There will be no social programs. So no, you know, food banks and no free cheese and milk and whatever meals on wheels or. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> looking for Putin, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, yep. Without, there, I mean, it's, I, I actually think and believe it's intentional. It's what the, you know, the deep state wants you to believe. So you get distracted from the real thing, which is getting your financial house in order. I'm going to add one more question to this just because of, of the subjects that we're discussing. But but before I do, I just want to say that, you know, most people that are not educated, you know, 
I mean, even when you're educated and Dave Ramsey preaches this and I don't necessarily agree, but he preaches. I, I think, you know what I'm alluding to, <laughs> but he, yep. he preaches, you know, be debt free, get debt free, find any way to be debt free. And me personally, I'm trying to get in as much debt as I can. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it would be crazy not to, because here's the thing. It's like people don't understand how money gets created. Money is debt, right? But they think it's something different and it's not backed by anything and hasn't been since 1971, since Nixon took us off the gold standard. So, Money is debt. When a bond is issued, that becomes debt. That's how money gets created, right? So money is debt. It's the same thing. Yet debt's looked at as a tabloid, like a taboo, but money is like hold up on this higher pedestal. They're the same thing. And (laughs) you need to understand what money is. Another really good book is The Creature from Jekyll Island. It's how the Federal Reserve was created in 1913 in Jekyll Island. And it's an amazing book that all your readers, all your listeners in the whole world needs to understand is how money got created. And it's the Federal Reserve. There's nothing federal and they have nothing in reserve. (laughs) (laughs) It's a farce. Yeah, I love that. that. And it's it's so true. And we'll definitely have a link to that book in our show notes. So visit beforethemillions.com slash episode nine, and you'll be able to get a link to that book. So yeah, I, I love that. And the last question I wanted to ask before we, we, we rounded things out, Jenna, and I'm not going down any political lanes or anything like that, but for us as investors, more specifically real estate investors, with Trump in office, what does that mean? Yeah, I think it's, you know, obviously he's now talking tax reform, which is good, right? I think, you know, depending on what he reforms. But what that means is a few things, because if they're going to eliminate some deductibility of what you're deducting today, as far as like state and local taxes from your federal taxes, those people who live in high cost states, high income states like California, Maryland, Connecticut, D.C., and Texas, you don't have state income tax, so it's irrelevant. But in all of those other states, you are going to have a massive tax implication. And you will need to have some write-offs, assuming that those write-offs are still available for real estate, oil and gas, and businesses as they are today. So I would suggest that all of us real estate investors are just anyone who pays taxes in in this country needs to really understand what that tax reform is going to do, right? Because it's going to have implications on everyone. And I was a full-time real estate professional for tax purposes, which gave me significant write-offs as a high-income earner. If that goes away, it's going to be really bad if you use that, right? Well, Jenna, this has been amazing. Like, I don't know what I'm gonna gonna do after this, but from I mean, your your take on the market in about twelve to eighteen months to just talking about your before the millions goal, which I think is magnificent. And I don't have a specific goal like that, but I'm definitely, definitely here and this platform is here to open our eyes and to to 
let others know that there is a better way and, you know, not necessarily drop everything and stop what you're doing, but, but start coupling things and start, start exploring asset classes like, like real estate and, and start paying attention to where your money's going, you know, because we don't do that enough. We study, you know, we'll, we'll try to cut out coupons for about an hour and get the best deals, but we don't study, you know, what taxes are and how we're being taxed and things like that. So it's crazy when you, when you think about it, you know, you, you can spend that same time educating yourself on something that'll have a greater impact on your life. So I love that. And, and again, like I said, this, this has been wonderful and I'm sure the listeners have learned so much. If, any of the listeners want to get in contact with you or pick up any of your products, where can they find you and how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, nope. So my website is passiveincomeadvisors.com and you can go there and download the free cheat sheet for the financial freedom formula, which is the taxes and the debt and buying assets. And my email address is glofton at passiveincomeadvisors.com. Love it. Love it. Well, Jenna, it's been a pleasure and I hope we can get you on the, on the show soon again. And maybe we can talk a little bit more about present day and what you have going. I know you have lots of businesses. You have over 4,000 units like that. That in itself is impressive. And I'm loving the businesses that you have. And even the, the project in, in Belize, can we, ah, man, can we touch on that for like 30 seconds? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what is that? So I have a resort, it's called Mahogany Bay Village. If any of your listeners have listened to another podcast called The Real Estate Guys. So they are my partners in that development in Belize. And that development now is happens to be the first Hilton in the country of Belize. It's a Hilton Curio property and it is soon to be open within the next 30 to 60 days or so. Oh, yeah. So, and I just want to make, sure that everyone understands is that I have amazing team, right? Don't actually think that I do all of this by myself, that it would just actually be stupid. So I have team that, you know, remember like AT&T, I'm a shareholder of AT&T. I have, and that's an investment of mine. I have a lots of other, you know, investments like those, right? Belize is one of them. Mining companies are others, you know, assisted living facilities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, all of them are generating revenue. That's all I care about. <laughs> well, there you have it. Mrs. Jenna Lofton, again, we appreciate your time here on the podcast and we'll be sure to have you back soon, Jenna. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you to all of your listeners for hearing this. Wow. Powerful powerful show. Jenna herself was powerful. I'm taken away and I hope that she didn't step on anybody's toes because she kept it real. And I love that she kept it real because this is a subject that is near and dear to my heart. <laughs> it really is. So I'm glad that she didn't sugarcoat anything and she she told it how it was. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions at all, if you're looking to get started, if you're looking to start figuring out your life, look, hey, I don't mind. Email me, call me, text me. I think that together as a community, we can really help and uplift each other. I want to help, guys. I really do. So reach out to me, reach out to us, and we'll we'll figure out how we can help better facilitate your journey. I want to shout out our featured five-star review of the week, and that is from Nana. A. Nana said, I am three episodes in currently. It was such a good listen. 
made my drive from Dallas to Houston a breeze. Made me ask the question, am I truly going hard enough? Great job, DeRay. Keep it up. Respectfully, Nana. Love when I get reviews like that. I love that people are really, really looking to 10x what they're doing. And and most of these people are already successful. So imagine what 10xing your business, 10xing your life, 10xing your goals is going to do for you. It's it's truly inspiring that people feel this way. So again, thanks for all the five-star reviews. And you are the reason why we are doing this. If you haven't already, please go visit us at beforethemillions.com. Check out our back catalog. Listen to all the episodes and get as much knowledge as you can because look, we're here and we're here to stay. So don't get too far behind. (laughs) And if you haven't already and you're getting great value from the show, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. Tell us what you think about the show. I'm eager to get feedback. Well, gang, see you guys next week, each and every Tuesday. Go fail at something. Go fail big at something. Get educated. I'll see y'all later. (laughs) Ha 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 ha!